0: Welcome to the On Deck Circle, a weekly podcast setting the table with lively baseball banter from two guys who love America's pastime. Let's talk baseball!
1: Welcome back into the On Deck Circle podcast for the week of June 5th, 2023. This is episode 16, Alex. How are we feeling
0: this week? You know, I'm feeling pretty good this week for a number of reasons, but episode 16, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think we'd make it this far. Sweet 16. And we have made it to 16, so... On to 20. Here we come. We
1: have indeed. And we're going to shake things up a little bit for the Sweet 16. We're not doing the good, bad, and ugly in the leadoff spot. It's going to come later in the show. So let's find out what exactly we're going to do in the leadoff segment this week. Leading off. This week as we lead off. We want to look back on an opportunity we had this week earlier to go to the Tigers-Phillies game at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. We just want to reflect on and give kind of our thoughts, takeaways from that game. Uh, the final score was 8-3 to three in favor of the Phillies. So apart from being ridiculously depressed and anxious afterwards, Alex,
0: uh, what were some of your overall takeaways from the game? I'm going to purposely not talk about the on-field, uh, on-field performance. I'm going to talk about things that happened off the field. And oh, my, okay. My first takeaway is the state of baseball in Philly – is strong we went on a monday night uh and granted you know schools have all let out more or less uh i think monday was the last day for a lot of kids on uh for summer vacation and stuff but man the crowd was electric for a monday night i think you said something about trying to bottle up that energy look no it just you just don't There's no other sports experience where you just have like that when you have a stadium full of people and I think there's a crowd of about 36,000 people 33,000 people that were there and there's just a buzz in the stadium and this is the Phillies and the Tigers. You know, the Tigers are not formidable competition. But you had like the the crowd was engaged. Two strikes on a batter, the crowd is engaged. They want the strikeout. You know, the crack of the bat and Trey Turner and you know, he was on fire. But, Four for five, but with even two though, homers. Even there were a number of guys warning track power in the in the crowd, they want that home run. And they're you know, they're tracking the ball, they're engaged. That's just it's hard to replicate that.
1: You know, one moment the crowd did not want was when Nick Maton stepped up and hit a three-run okay. bomb so for the Tigers. I
0: still have. I'm still getting. I still get the goose pimples thinking about that because my Tigers they 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 stunk they've stunk the first two days in Philly.
1: It was interesting because Nick Maton played for the Phillies last year. Over the, over the offseason, the Phillies and Tigers were involved in a trade that sent Nick Maton and Matt Vierling to the Tigers. And so this was Nick Maton's first game back in Philly since he'd been traded. He got a, a good ovation from the crowd before well, the he game. Received
0: his, he received his National League Championship, championship ring. ring, which again, we can talk about that later. However, so they, you know, so they welcomed him back and the, the Phillies are up Five nothing. There's a no hitter going on. Uh, it's uh, it's on the Tigers, by the way. Yeah, Aaron Nola's throwing a no hitter. He he did walk a couple batters to start the inning, and so there's a couple runners on. Nick Mayton comes up. He's down in the count, I believe one two. Yep, and he torqued one second deck at citizens bank park and you go from the crowd wanting needing that strikeout to all of a sudden a three-run bomb the shutout's gone the no hitter's gone it's nick maytown you for at least an inning for half an inning the game seems to be you know five to three we're back in this thing and the spirit just kind of changes in the ballpark but again it's that that those swings of emotions that pendulum swing
1: yeah wow it's Baseball's awesome. Powerful. Well, so just to set the stage, so so it was two on, two out. Exactly, yep. No
0: hits. There was an error in the inning. That's what it was, an error. A
1: walk in an error, two on, two out, one-two count to Maton, and the crowd was on its feet because that would have been seven shutout, no-hit innings for Aaron Nola. Yep. One-two to Maton, and he cranked the ball, and it was like you sucked all the energy out of the ballpark. Like, it was dead. I was like... Wait a minute, this ball's crushed. Why is it? And I was like, oh, because it's a, th- 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 yeah, the Tigers just,
0: yeah. oh. Yeah. There was one guy standing up clapping, <laughs> and it was Alex. It was Alex so was good. going crazy. It was so good. I I was like, I don't know
1: this guy. Who? Where did he come from? Why is he sitting next to me in but, this game?
0: But I'll say, you walk up to a baseball stadium, and you and I talked about. Now it did help that I went on an empty stomach. But you get that waft of sausage, the smells of the stadium as you're as you you know as you're coming to the gate, and you're like, well, okay, like it just. I don't know. There's something nostalgic about a baseball stadium. There's yeah. something that just is it feels it feels right. And again, I give Philadelphia props and again, they're coming off of a World Series, you know, appearance last year. The energy is high, the optimism is high in Philadelphia. They you know, they stumbled maybe a little bit out of the gate, but they seem to have a little bit of momentum behind them and the crowd is there. Well, in Citizens Bank Park,
1: Citizens Bank Park is just a great ballpark. Exactly. It's beautiful. It's played out well. It's got the city skyline in the back, which, if it wasn't for wildfires in Quebec, thanks a lot, Canada, we'd be able to see the skyline a whole lot better. It would have been a
0: beautiful view.
1: (laughs) It would have been quite a beautiful view instead of being hazed by Canada. But uh, so my my other thing that I really enjoyed overlooking on field play was just the pace of play. Yes. Uh, I think I mentioned this when I went to the Orioles game. The game just felt cleaner, like everything moved along at a great pace. There weren't really any lags in the game. Uh,
0: Well, well, except for Junior Vasquez, wasn't it? Who was the umpire behind home plate? Yeah, there were several calls that uh, the batters did not really care for. There were two Tigers that struck out. On the pitch clock violation, Aaron Nola got tagged for a pitch clock and then an additional tiger got hit or no, no, not, not an additional tiger. Um, Nick Castellanos started yep. the count one yep. And so uh, he was handing those out pretty frequently. And and so other than those issues, I'm with you. The pace of play was really smooth.
1: But I mean, like there are times so like in an eight to three game where you have 11 runs scored, the game can sometimes feel like it languishes. Yep, and you're like, okay, this inning feels like it's taking days. You didn't really feel that. Like batter gets on, twenty seconds on the clock. Next batter's up. Boom, we're running again. Yep, you know, like like there's no. I felt like last year there would be like delays in the action if there was a particularly momentous hit because the pitcher's trying to collect his thoughts and the crowd's getting whooped up into a fury and. I felt like the game would drag in that situation. And I feel like with the pitch clock, you have this boundary now that helps
0: keep the game from dragging out. You have to, you have to get back to it. You have to get back on the mound. You got to deliver the next pitch. The next batter has to get in to the box and you have to be ready to play. And, and again, I don't feel like there were a number of home runs hit by the Phillies. I feel like the crowd was able to enjoy all of those moments. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, okay, the game must go on. And it did. And the game kept moving. And in a game where 11 runs were scored, you're still ending the game under like three two hour, and a half yeah, hours. Under yeah, under three hours. And yep. so you're like, this is really good for baseball.
1: One other thing I'll say. So I, I, I mentioned from the Baltimore game, the food and how expensive it was. So that's still that, that was still true in Philly for sure. They have cheesesteaks that Baltimore doesn't have, and the cheesesteaks are definitely worth going to the ballpark for. I had an idea for food. Okay. What if the food prices were tiered to the level of the stadium that you're in for that, that you're in watching the game? So for example, if you're up in the terrace, the upper deck, the the three hundred level seats, cheaper food because the people that are going up there are paying less money for the ticket. Yeah. So okay. maybe cap your hot dog prices at like 3 or 4 dollars a hot dog. If you absolutely feel like you have to charge that $3 a hot dog. If you're down on the in the lower bowl, the 100 level seats, the ones that are right up on the field, well those are definitely more expensive tickets, so maybe hot dogs are 5 or 6 dollars down there. It's fine. If you're in the club level, if you're in the suite level, if you're, you know, in that that second tier, well People who are staying up there are going to have money out the wazoo for sure. So you can charge a little bit more for things up there and kind of have a tiered approach. did have we it, see that though a little bit? And have it to where like, okay, so maybe you're up in the 300 level and you want to go down to the first level and get some food. Okay, great. But you're not going to have everybody in the first level able to go up to the third level and get the cheap hot dogs, if that makes sense. So for example, if you're up in the 300 level and you really want a cheesesteak from the first level – Go down, and knock yourself out, pay more for the cheesesteak. You want a better quality cheesesteak, get it. But someone who paid eighty dollars for their ticket on the first level can't go up to the third level and get three dollar hot dogs. Thoughts?
0: One, I feel like it already exists to a point. It does it does with the club level. At the for club sure. level, we we sat at the club level and there were options in the club level. Like I felt like the cheesesteaks were of a higher quality and the and the nachos were of a higher quality at the club level. How do you they, get higher quality nachos? Well, like I think they had like they had like pork on it and they had Ooh. some like hollow diced jalapenos and it I wasn't that. there was no just there was no just drizzled uh like you know some drizzled cheese whiz on top of like you know some cheese uh, some chips or whatever they call yep. it nachos. Like it was of a higher quality. I just feel like ushers have a hard enough time like policing movement of people in so, and around the stadium to be like, hey, you can't go up to the third level with a one hundred level ticket.
1: So if you noticed as we were going up to our seats, right, there were several attendants that were looking that were asking to see our ticket because right. they wanted to make sure that we were going into the right place. Yes. And I think you could totally do that. Any access that's going up, why is a hundred level person going to be going well,
0: up? No, no, I know. I'm just saying from pre game that's easy to do. But like by the fifth inning, Sixth inning. I mean, we all. I mean, I've been going to games a long time. Ushers pay less attention the Perhaps. later the game goes. Well, and I think it's interesting to think about, though. I think that's. I think that's an interesting tier. Although I don't. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like you're uh, toeing the line between like we're going to start. It's like the Titanic. You know, we're we're going to keep the keep the first class citizens down in the you know the bowels of the stadium. So or it's whatever. not. So
1: it's not that the stadium is keeping people where they are. Your the people is. paid for those tickets, so right. I also think that that would help fill out the terrace
0: level tickets. Okay, well, here's the other thing. I paid. okay, oh, I went two nights in a row. Yep. I sat in the club level again. I paid considerably less for my club ticket on night two than I did on night one because I bought it last minute on StubHub that someone was trying to dump their ticket. StubHub. So, like, you can't tell me, like, hey, you paid. $80 for this club ticket. And it's like, well, no, I didn't. I paid $35 for this club ticket. Makes sense. And so, like, you know, I'm technically a poser because I'm posing as a club level citizen <laughs> or an attendee. When in reality, I'm just a loser that got a good deal on StubHub.
1: Yeah. But anyway. The other the other thing that stuck out to me about our time at Citizens Bank Park, the pregame ceremonies. Okay. Disclosure. I love the publicity that ALS is ALS, getting. ALS, yeah. I love the exposure and and the awareness that's raised through Lou Gehrig Day and trying to make that disease that affected one of baseball's greatest players more visible and and using baseball as an action item to try to help get a cure and raise awareness and funding for, for treatments for people who have ALS. That's great. I have no issues with that. However, dragging out on-field ceremony after on-field ceremony after on-field ceremony after on-field ceremony there were at least three or four on-field pre-game ceremonies there was an als one they presented the a uh, the nlcs championship rings to mayton and veerling they acknowledged some other stuff that was going on in the ballpark that day and i just felt like can we just play the game like, I felt like the pregame
0: ceremonies were over the top. Like, what happened to the good old days where it was someone came out to throw a first pitch. I'm they not necessarily sang, they pining for national, nostalgia. Well, no, but they sang the national anthem. And, like, that was it.
1: Yeah. By but, the way, did you notice there was no seventh inning, like, God bless America or anything like that? At, no. At the game? And they
0: even kind of, they even even take me out to the ball game. They just started playing it. They didn't know. The, 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 there was P, no invitation to stand and PA sing. The PA announcer who talks Constantly at the Phillies game, they didn't say, "Hey, please stand and let's all sing together." Take me out to the ball game. They nope. just started singing it, and that was true back to back nights. Both nights I was there, they just kind of just jump you into it, and like everybody stayed seated. Yeah, and it was like, wait, I thought this was a thing. Like we sort of were supposed to stand and sing, you know. And again, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna go. Maybe against the grain here, although I appreciate it when it shows up. Sometimes I don't feel like you have to sing "God Bless America" in the seventh inning, or no, like you know. No. But
1: but the seventh. You're supposed inning stretch. to recognize
0: the seventh inning stretch, yeah. And so that's uh, that's a thing, and the fact that that kind of like went by the wayside was was interesting.
1: All right, well, this segment has gone by the wayside. Yes. And it's time to move on to our next segment. Now on deck, and now we come to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Alex,
0: your good for the week is so. I've been wanting to fit them in now for the last several weeks, and thankfully they've they've hung in there as a team and as an individual. I want to highlight Luis Arise uh, from the Miami Marlins. The Miami Marlins are in second place right now in the NL East. They're thirty four and twenty eight. They're three games back of the Braves as of this recording. And their leadoff hitter uh, was acquired in the offseason from the Minnesota Twins. The Miami Marlins traded Pablo Lopez and a couple prospects for Luis Ariz, who was a good hitter, a great hitter. Uh, won the batting title last year in the American League. He batted, what,
1: 327 or
0: something, I think? Yeah, exactly. And so you kind of raised some eyebrows for me when I'm like, how are you trading the, you know, the the batting title king in the american league uh, away for pablo lopez who's a good pitcher but nonetheless luisa rise as of today is batting 401 and whoa he you know batting 400 hasn't happened since tony Gwynn back in the 90s um batting 400 hasn't happened since ted williams did Tony Gwynn not bat 400? He got close. He, he did not go over anyway, Well, regardless, no one's had the conversation uh, in a long time. And the fact that Luis Ri is an everyday player who hasn't missed a game more or less this season, and he's batting 401 for a team that was not projected uh, to finish in the top half of the NL East, and not they, they might not. Uh, there are a lot of good teams in the NL East, and there's a lot of game, a lot of season left to be played. But we've passed the Memorial Day marker. They are solidly in the wild card right now. Um, they're taking care of their business against their weak opponents this last week. And Luis Rise is my good because you got to tune in and watch him hit. He's a phenomenal hitter. He's a good. I think you pointed out to me when we were talking on our way back from the stadium. You know, he gets he gets the bat to the ball quickly and uh, puts it in play. And 401 is nothing to sneeze at. And um, and so, Luis arrives, is my good, and the Miami Marlins, attached to that, uh, they're just a pleasant, pleasant surprise. So, just circle back with Tony Gwynn. He did actually hit 400
1: during a 162-game stretch, but it was over two seasons. Gotcha. That's what it was. Okay. It was because of the strike in uh, 95, I believe. Hell, yeah.
0: Work stoppage.
1: What an idiot. <laughs> Tony Gwynn was quoted as saying he talked to Ted Williams once. Ted looked at me and said, if I knew that hitting 400 would be, it would have been so important. I would have done it more often. That is an awesome, awesome line. Stay classy, Ted. (laughs) Anyway. My good for the week is the Philadelphia Phillies. I I went on the record last week. And as we were looking ahead to the weekend that was this past weekend, the Phillies were playing the Nationals and the Tigers. And I said, you know, I think this is a critical series for these are two critical series for the Phillies because... They need to go 500 or better coming out of this because these are these are two series that are very winnable, very sweepable even against two teams that, that could help you get a boost in your playing confidence and just like get, get some momentum. Well, the Phillies lost the first game against the Nationals, and it was a heartbreaker. It was a good game. And then they came back and took the next two from Washington thus far at the time that we're recording this. They've taken the first two games of the series against the Tigers, so they're four and one with the potential to go five and one or four and two. That's excellent. The first two days of this week, Aaron Nola and Taiwan Walker have pitched excellently for them. Nola six and two thirds with a hit and like twelve strikeouts. Walker same thing, seven innings, couple hits, no earned runs. They've just done a really great job. The bullpen's done its job. And Trey Turner, Trey Turner, the night that we were at the ball game, you mentioned he had a great game, four for five, two homers, a single and a double. That guy was looking every bit like he's found himself. And after the game, they talked to him, and there's a couple minor mechanical adjustments that he made using the power of AI. And by AI, we don't mean Allen Iverson. We mean artificial intelligence. And so we'll see if those, if those mechanical adjustments continue to bear fruit for the batting average of Trey Turner. Right now it's still south of 250, but who knows? Maybe by the time we're at the All-Star break, he could be approaching 300.
0: I, the Philadelphia Phillies are my good for the week. I'm going to call foul on Trey Turner and AI. I'm going to say he had Joey Wentz on the mound and went four for five against Joey Wentz, who is a bad major league pitcher. He's still a major league pitcher. But I'm glad he made those tweaks, though.
1: All right, so I'm going to go with the bad next. I'm going to stay with the game that we went to on Monday and just the series between the Phillies and the Tigers. There are two players on the Tigers that I'm going to highlight specifically. The Tigers in general have lost five straight now. They got swept by the – I'm sorry, swept by the White Sox. Great possibility they get swept by the Phillies. So they're not playing great baseball right now. But I want to highlight two people in particular that have – Desperately contributed to Detroit's lack of urgency. Javier Baez, the shortstop for the Detroit Tigers. How many pitches did he take when we were at the game? It was at least 10.
0: Yeah, but I think he, what did he start? He started taking at least seven of the first eight pitches he saw. Seven of that.
1: the first eight and like five of them were strikes. This is a man who's known for going up swinging at anything that's that released from the, the pitcher's hands.
0: Exactly. There you go.
1: He swings non-discriminately. He does not. He doesn't care if it's a ball or a strike. He's swinging at it. It was just odd for him to not swing, but the energy that he exerts when he swings and misses was just awe-inspiring. Right. You got to admire somebody who just happy Gilmore's it every single time he gets a chance to have a bat in his hand. So Javier Baez keep striking out. And you're my bad for the week. The other person is Jake Marisnik. Jake Marisnik, the the defensive super outfielder for the Tigers. The newly
0: acquired.
1: The newly acquired Jake and Marisnyk. perhaps foreshadowing departure, Jake Marisnik. Got on base. I think he walked against Aaron Nola. He was getting a good lead. And he tried to fake Aaron Nola. Take a couple steps like he was going to steal second base. Well, he actually was going to try to steal second base. Yeah, I
0: think he was actually trying to steal.
1: And he... He wiped out, slipped, lost his footing, totally biffed in the infield. The pitcher, you know, Nola pitched the pitch. Real Muto came up through to first and doubled Marisnik off. And I just thought to myself, man, you faked yourself out. You were trying to fake Aaron Nola out, and you were the one who got faked out. Jake Marisnik, Javier Baez, Detroit Tigers.
0: The worst part of that was, as I pointed out to you, they they, man, they 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 maintained the field three times throughout the course of the game. There was a huge divot left that by spot Merznik. Was there for the remainder of the game where he tumbled going to second base? Was and it was there like, for the
1: second game when you were there? <laughs> Could you still see the thankfully, outline of his footfall?
0: Thankfully, it was gone. But I was like, "What a reminder! Like, hey, what in the world happened here? Oh yeah, Jake Murzinic died out here trying to steal second base." Yep, yep. What's your bad for the week? Uh, my bad for the week comes from last night. Uh, Pete Alonso hit a two-run you know, tank job uh, against the Atlanta Braves in like the third or fourth inning last night, put him up four to one. He hit it off Bryce Elder, um, pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, and Alonzo gets back to the dugout and is yelling back at the pitcher, throw it again, throw it again. I don't know what kind of things were going on before that happened, but nonetheless, uh, some trash talking was going on between the Mets and the Braves. And even though he hit a two-run bomb uh, that made it four to one, the final score was six to four Atlanta. And so in games where you trash talk to the pitcher, you may want to back it up at least as a team and uh, try to come out with the W because Somehow your trash talking to Bryce Elder doesn't hit as well when Bryce Elder ended up getting the win actually as the starting pitcher and uh, didn't give up any more runs the rest of his outing and the Braves came back and won the game six to four. So I'm like Pete Alonso, pick a better time or pick better situations to trash talk the first place team Atlanta Braves.
1: Yeah, maybe or at least wait until you're over 500 as a ball club. Exactly.
0: I mean, they were getting They, they were almost there. They were almost, almost there, and they fell by the wayside. So that's my bad.
1: All right. Let's move to our uglies quickly. Uh, my ugly for the week is Alec Manoa. That man oh, has been on hideous. the struggle bus. Uh, to this point in the season, his ERA is approaching something around 8. It's horrible. This week, Alec Manoa got demoted. But he didn't get demoted to AAA, not even double A. Not even single A. He got sent down to the spring training minor league complex. Oh, he's not even going to be pitching, he's going to be throwing bullpen sessions. They, the Blue Jays coaches and team of data scientists, are going to be analyzing Alec Manoa as he throws. And taking a look at his biometrics and taking a look at his kinesiology and trying to retool him to fix the brokenness that is Alec Manoa. Well,
0: that answers my question because I was my, curious.
1: how the mighty have fallen. Here, here's someone who last year finished third place in the Cy Young voting. And now he's he's going back to square one starting from scratch trying to relearn how to pitch.
0: I, like I said, at least that answers my question because I was curious when the general manager for the Toronto Blue Jays said he went on record, I think two days ago, all options are on the table. I, uh, he wasn't kidding. All options are on the table. Indeed.
1: <laughs> what about you? What's your ugly for the week?
0: Uh, my ugly is almost a sad. It's like good, bad, and sad for the week. Uh, my ugly for the week is Jacob deGrom. Uh, Jacob deGrom uh, began the week. It, it's just so funny the way like narratives quickly Escalate, but he was uh, transitioned from the 30 day IL or the 15-day IL, anyway, went to the 60-day IL. And and immediately, the narrative was like, uh-oh, something's wrong. But then there were guys who were like, well, don't worry. The 60-day IL backlogs, and he had already spent 40 days on the IL, so this would only necessarily put him out to the end of June. But that was quickly followed up with the announcement that he's going to undergo Tommy John surgery. Uh, and for Jacob deGrom, this is Tommy John surgery for the second time. And so Jacob deGrom is, when healthy well respected as a top five pitcher in the game definitely and to see him crying in an interview that just that that hurts a game of baseball is it's just not as fun or it's not as good with jacob Degrom not pitching healthy it's especially just sad given that the texas rangers are probably the if not the biggest surprise, one of the biggest surprises of 2023 so far, they are handling their business in the, um, in the AL West. And so to lose him, I mean, that's going to create problems long-term for them. So they're going to probably be in the market for starting pitching come the trade deadline, but you just, you know, thoughts and prayers for Jacob Degrom because you want him to come back and you want him to be healthy.
1: It's definitely a rough situation. I, I, Watched the video of him announcing that, and you could just tell he was really disappointed, really yeah. sad. You could really see the the competitive drive that he has. Like, yeah. as as much as he's making the money, it doesn't appear that he's just in it for the money. That no. he he truly cares about the game, truly he cares game. about his teammates. Yeah, he wants to be out there every fifth or sixth day throwing the ball. And so, yeah, definitely. Definitely speedy recovery, Jacob. Speedy recovery, and, and, and he'll be he able to come, come back. back next Sunday or next, no, next Sunday. His
0: goal is to be back before the end of next season, but you hope he can. You never know how two John, two Tommy John surgeries can affect a guy. So yeah. we, 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 we will learn soon. So anyway, come back soon, Jacob. All right. Let's go ahead to our next
1: segment. In the hole. And this week we are skipping a segment, we are going to. We're going to shorten our agenda for this week, and we're going to go straight ahead to some weekend matchups that we're looking ahead to. I don't really have three matchups as well as much as I have three storylines. There are three teams that have six game schedules over the weekend and first thing next week that I think are compelling and noteworthy. So, Alex, okay, what are some things coming up this weekend in baseball that you are looking forward to?
0: Well, there are some intriguing matchups this weekend. Very intriguing. And I mean, I'll rattle through these just relatively quickly. Uh, Texas is in Tampa, uh, two first place teams in the American league. Houston is in Cleveland. Uh, On Friday night, Tristan McKenzie is on the mound for his second start of the season. He, all he did in his first start was 10 K's through five innings. He looked really good. And so he'll be up for his second start. And so Cleveland is now, you know, in second place in the AL central, you know, but they're playing Houston, but but there is one team that I'll be watching with bated breath all weekend and in the next week. After this team beat up on the lowly Washington Nationals and the lowly Detroit Tigers and got themselves back with an shot of 500, I will be watching the Philadelphia Phillies. Because not only will they be playing the Dodgers this weekend, but they'll be playing the Dodgers with the back end of their rotation.
1: And they'll be playing the Dodgers, followed up by
0: the Diamondbacks. Exactly. And so it's great that Aaron Nola and Taiwan Walker and Zach Wheeler beat up on the Tigers. But I'm like, who are they going to throw out against the Dodgers this weekend?
1: So it'll be Ranger Suarez. Yep. And then probably a bullpen game. And then I think Nola will, and then come Noah back will be back and start next week. So Sunday.
0: again, we'll just see uh, if this was a, if this, you know, like you said, these this was a momentum week for the Philadelphia Phillies. So now here's the gut check. Can they ride that?
1: Yeah. So four and two, five and one over the Nationals and Tigers. Now you got the big boys from the NL West coming into town. Yep. And what are you going to do with them? better not roll over and play dead or else there will be rioting in the streets of Philadelphia exactly hopefully they can continue the good because things they've been doing and and do 500 or better well, i think they need to do 500 or better 500
0: or better because they have to because the Marlins are playing good baseball the Braves are still you know pacing the division the Mets are in front of them in the division they have to play 500 or better because if they lose any more ground i mean you just with all these teams, when you when you have four teams that are playing solid baseball, and I'm going to clump Philadelphia in there, they're playing solid baseball. They're not great baseball, but it's solid baseball. You just got You can't keep taking two steps forward and three steps back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm looking at the Texas and Tampa Bay series as well. Yeah. After Tampa Bay, Texas plays the Angels. That's a rough six game stretch for Texas too. That is. I mean, you you get this bad news that Degrom's going to miss the rest of the season. How are you going to bounce back from that mentally? How's that going to affect your production on the field? you got Marcus Simeon, who's riding a 25-game hitting streak. He'll probably face Shohei Otani at some point. Hopefully he can keep that streak going. The third team, though. Is there any
0: chance? Now, they wouldn't do it inside the division. But is there any chance that the Angels trade Shohei Otani at the trade deadline? Not to the Rangers. Right. I'm just thinking. Never. Right.
1: Now watch it happen. (laughs) The third team whose storyline I'm following is one that brings melancholy and sadness to my mind because this is not because of an intriguing matchup as much as it is the fact that we could see the longest losing streak of the season at the end of this stretch of games. So right now, the Detroit Tigers have lost five in a row. If they lose today, that'll be six in a row. Then they play Arizona, which has sweep written all over it. Because they'll probably face Zach Callen and Merrill Kelly. And then Atlanta comes to town. And Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, Austin Riley, and all those boys. I just feel like you're dogpiling right now, and this is a really bad color on you, Aaron. They've got sweep written all over them. So it is possible that by the next time we record a podcast... The Detroit Tigers could have
0: lost 12 in a row. I so want the Phillies to be 10 games back starting next week. So I've never wanted anything more in my life. So right I now. will be watching the Detroit Tigers,
1: maybe not watching them, but I'm going to be watching the final scores coming off of the Detroit Tigers games. I'm because this
0: close to story out of the studio. Like because not even they were so angry right now. They were the spit
1: nails. They were in second place. And now they're in third place. In the worst
0: division in the league. In the worst division
1: in the league. Get ready, though, because the White Sox are playing better, and they're only one game back from the Tigers right now. And then the Tigers
0: will be in fourth place. And guess who else is in fourth place in their division? The
1: Philadelphia Flippin' Phillies. All right. So we're looking forward to some exciting baseball this weekend. Wow. Next weekend's podcast (laughs) is going to be loaded.
0: We were friends before this episode.
1: So come back next week and join us and uh, witness the fallout of some of the drama that has been created on this week's edition of the podcast. Follow us on our Twitter and Facebook pages and uh, make sure that you share this podcast with your friends and family. Let them know about this conversation they're missing out on. And if you've been to a ball game, feel free to share your experiences with us. What Where are some places that are doing baseball right? Citizens Bank Park was one of those that we felt did a really great job. Are there places that you've been to and watched baseball that are really doing a great job? Reach out to us and let us know. And until next week, yeah, whatever. We're we're out of here.